It's the Kevin Sheehan Show here on the Team 980. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Kevin out at jury duty this morning. So myself and the great Denton Day filling in uh, for Kevin Sheehan. Right now, I want to go out to the BetQL guest hotline. is where we find our pal Jordan Dejani, who covers the National Football League for CBS Sports. Make sure you give him a follow on the old X app at Jordan Dejani. That is J-O-R-D-A-N-D-A-J-A-N-I. Jordan, what's going on, my man? How are you? What's going on, my friends? I'm doing well. Hope you guys are doing well as well. Appreciate you having me on the show this morning. Yes, sir. Appreciate you giving us some time, my man. I'm doing phenomenal, Jordan, because Peter King, longtime NFL columnist in his film, has been the nugget that I've been waiting for all offseason, baby. I'm one of the dudes that are championing for Washington to do whatever it takes to go up and acquire USC's Caleb Williams. Peter projecting that uh, the Bears will trade down one pick with the Commanders and then trade down six spots with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, first of all, quick thoughts from you on Peter King and his greatness, and then uh, what do you think about the the move ultimately? Yeah, I mean, Peter King is a legend, trailblazer, someone who really set the standard of what sports journalism is. So he's definitely going to be missed, and who knows, maybe he's not done writing. I'm sure he'll come back and do some columns uh, throughout the uh, throughout the seasons, but an absolute legend, no doubt about that. But, yeah, I mean, let's talk about this hypothetical trade. I mean, this may be the main headline from this column. And yeah. to be honest with you, I love Caleb Williams. I think he's the number one quarterback in this class. But when it came to Washington um, and their chances of acquiring him, I, I, don't, I don't know. I never really gave it that much thought just because I thought the compensation that Washington or whatever quarterback needy team would have to get to Chicago – would make it almost not worth it. It would be a price that I would not pay. So the debate really to me has come down to Jane Daniels and Drake May. But all of a sudden, Peter King, he's given us legitimate compensation here. He's saying a second-round pick, the number two overall pick, and and a future first-round pick. If that's all it takes, then I'm joining your camp, okay? I'm saying, (laughs) yes, Washington should go out there and absolutely make that deal, take Caleb Williams, and let's start over for the future. So – I I don't think that compensation is correct, to be honest with you. I think that Chicago has, you know, last year they made the decision to trade out of the top spot. It ended up being a great decision because Bryce Young didn't pan out immediately. This time around, ultimately, I think the Bears keep that number one overall pick. I think they take Caleb Williams. But you can never rule out a potential trade. If there's a team out there that's maybe not the Washington Commanders, that wants to offer them a package of first-round picks, mid-round picks, and a wide receiver, similar to the deal that they accepted last mm-hmm. year, then it's always possible. But if I had to put my money down right now, I'm saying that Chicago is going to stick at number one overall. So obviously, if they stick at number one overall, that means they're trading Justin Fields. Where do you stand on Fields? Do you still think he's a, at least a decent starter in this league, or do you think his next job is going to be a backup? Denton, what's going on, man? It's good to hear your voice. I'll tell you this. Uh, I, I'm actually a Justin Fields fan, and I feel like I, it's been kind of hard to find people like me who think Justin Fields has legitimate potential as a NFL starting quarterback. I mean, the dude received an MVP vote two seasons ago because of what he accomplished on the ground. Now, he's not polished <laughs> as a thrower downfield, um, but I think that's a work in progress, and I think ultimately he can get to where he wants to go. Um, but here's the thing. If you're giving me the number one overall pick and the option between Caleb Williams and Justin Fields, I'm probably going to take Caleb Williams. So I think Justin Fields is going to be traded elsewhere. I would love to see him in a couple different places. One would be with the Atlanta Falcons. I know shades of Michael Vick, maybe that's a little bit too easy, but Atlanta's going over a shift in offensive identity. Um, and they've got several pieces, whether that's Algier, whether that's Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, guys that can make life easier 
for quarterback. So I think Justin Fields would be a good fit there. Another kind of sneaky spot is the Pittsburgh Steelers. We don't know exactly what this team's going to do on the quarterback front. Are they going to run it back with Kenny Pickett? Are they going to draft someone? Are they going to acquire Ryan Tannehill? I don't know. But what makes this an interesting spot for Justin Fields, in my opinion, is the hire they made at offensive coordinator with Arthur Smith. And I know it's a little bit of a polarizing hire, but there's one thing that Arthur Smith can do, and that's scheme for the run. He had a good rushing attack in Atlanta. He helped Derrick Henry have his best two seasons of his NFL career um, during his two years in Tennessee as the OC. With Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, and then you throw Justin Fields into the mix, who has a legitimate wide receiver one in, in George Pickens, I think that'd be an intriguing landing spot as well. Could you imagine the AFC trying to stop the combo of Najee Harris and Justin Fields? <laughs> Just a super physical rushing attack, man. That would be uh, that would be something. I want to go back to the NFC East here for a second. Actually, before we do that, I want to get your thoughts on what we were talking about in the last segment. T. Higgins, franchised by the Cincinnati Bengals. Me and Denton seem to disagree on this one a little bit. So the report is, Jordan, coming out from Ari Merov of the 33rd team saying that uh, if – the Bengals choose to move on from T. Higgins via the trade, which seems more likely now with the increased salary cap. They would get a late first or an early two for his uh, in exchange for his services. If you are Cincinnati, are you choosing to pull the trigger on that deal? Because they're kind of getting punished right now, Jordan, for drafting two good wide receivers. If they reset the receiver market this offseason with T. Higgins, do you see them doing the same next year with Jamar Chase? I just think there's there's too much good pass catchers in the room for them. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've been saying this for weeks, actually. I think that the Bengals should trade T. Higgins. That's my stance. I mean, you're right. They are being punished for acquiring two good wideouts, but you also are being punished for having one of the best quarterbacks in the game as well who reset the quarterback market recently. So you look at your future outlook financially, it's going to be tough to reset the wide receiver market twice and continue to pay Joe Burrow the money that he's going to be due in the coming years. And that's why I think that, instead of letting him walk for free, they decided to tag him, which I think was the smart decision. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that if if it was up to me and I could choose what happens, I would be trading T Higgins and acquiring a late first round pick or a future first round pick from a rebuilding team and then go back in the draft and draft another guy who's going to have legitimate starting potential. I mean, this wide receiving class is definitely one of the deeper positions in my opinion. So it's tough. And I know that T Higgins is a legitimately good player, but I mean, let's be reasonable here. How how likely is it that he's actually in the future plans of the Bengals where he's signing a lucrative multi-year extension and going to be in the fold for years to come? It just seems tough. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. How do you feel about the NFL raising the, the salary cap? Who do you feel like that benefits the most? Because obviously – Tagging T. Higgins, it felt like two weeks ago T. Higgins was going to walk, so now he could have the possibility so Cincinnati could give it one more run. But is there another team that you look at and say, wow, you know, that extra $30 million really makes their life a lot easier this offseason? Yeah, $255.4 million, up from $224.8 million in 2023, which had previously been a record high. And that's a $30.6 million increase. That's the largest year-to-year increase in total money in free agency history. And the NFL said in a statement that this big increase has to do with making up some ground following the COVID year, but also, let's not deny it, the media revenue is booming, right? (laughs) Business is booming on the NFL front. Now, to answer your question, the short answer is everybody. Everybody benefits from having more money in their pocket. But I think that maybe the more overlooked group of teams that we're not talking about when it comes to this salary increase 
the teams at the bottom of the barrel in terms of their current financial situations, right? The New Orleans Saints, the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, those teams who are very much over the cap right now that have already started to take cost-cutting measures, having that historically large increase when it comes to available monies, it helps those teams that are currently over the cap uh, tremendously, in my opinion. Joined right now on the BetQL guest hotline by Jordan Dejani of CBS Sports. Uh, he covers the National Football League for them. You can give him a follow on X at Jordan Dejani. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the NFC East. There's been a hasn't been a repeat winner in this division since I believe 2002. Uh, Philadelphia obviously has their epic collapse that season. Dallas seems to be you know tough right now, grieving is what I would describe it as after being mollywopped in the wild card round by the Green Bay Packers. I want to take a look at Philadelphia here in particular, though. What do you need to see from them this offseason in order to bounce back? Because it kind of feels like them and Dallas are two teams trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, I think that's a good question. And to be honest with you, uh, I think they've already answered the question that I have for them. And I think that their number one goal entering this offseason was to hire two experienced coordinators yeah. uh, that could dominate on their sides of the ball. I've been saying for months now that, you know, when it came to the Eagles Super Bowl run, I, I don't think enough credit was given to their coordinators. All yeah. that credit was given to head coach Nick Sirianni instead, who honestly, I'm still trying to figure out if he's a good head coach or not. What does he do, Jordan? Honest. What, what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> He makes he makes really fun funny faces at the yeah. camera, and he has a holdback guy that, that keeps him out of trouble, yeah, right? And then that Dom bodyguard guy. <laughs> I mean, Shane Steichen, I knew was going to be a good head coach. That guy knows how to scheme on the offensive side of the ball, especially when it comes to running that rock. Love Shane Steichen, great hire by the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Gannon, I wasn't as sure as or sure on, but I think he's did a pretty solid job in Arizona. He's got a really young staff, and he's someone who knows how to implement the kind of culture that he wants. And I, there's no getting around it. He was one of the best defensive coordinators in the game yeah. a couple of years ago. Eagles, they lose both of those guys. They coast off of their on-field talent for the first half of the regular season, and then it all falls apart. And now both coordinators are out of their jobs, and you know they've gone back to the market, and they've gotten Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio. We'll see if those additions work out. But that's that was the answer to your question, to be honest with yeah. you. I, I wanted them to go out there and find two legitimate leaders at the coordinator positions who could rule – that side of the ball. I think that's key for Philly moving forward. As we look at uh, some of the other big-name free agents that are going to be available or maybe not available this offseason, how confident are you that Kirk Cousins stays in Minnesota? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. And to be honest with you, if I had to put my money down right now, I think that he ends up staying in Minnesota. But how confident am I in that prediction? Not entirely confident because there are people out there that say Kirk Cousins, even though he's, you know, 30-something years old, coming off of a torn Achilles, there are people out there that say he's the number one free agent available in this class, no matter what position, because he plays the quarterback position. So he's going to have the opportunity to go out there and test the market and make some money for himself. But here's the thing when it comes to Kirk Cousins. He always said during his time in Washington that he wanted to be a one-team quarterback, and he ended up uh, – uh, adjusting that statement to he always wanted to be a two-team quarterback when he signed on with the Minnesota Vikings. So I think that there is some desire from him personally to stay in Minnesota, especially working under someone who has familiarity with like Kevin O'Connell, uh, Washington legend, by the way, uh, Justin Jefferson throwing the football too. Um, and I think that Minnesota, there's mutual interest going both ways there where they want to bring Kirk Cousins back. 
And, and this Vikings organization understands that they need to go out there and acquire another quarterback, maybe draft one that's going to sit behind Kirk Cousins for one year or two years and, and end up hopefully having a chance to become the face of the franchise. But, man, I really do think that Kirk Cousins um, absolutely has some interest in returning to the Vikings. Yeah, I, I think it's one of the most fascinating stories of the offseason, talking about where Kirk Cousins ultimately lands and ends up. The timing of his Achilles injury last year, I felt horrible for him because I think Kirk's just an awesome dude. The The Vikings were sort of on a heater right before he had went down, so it'd be fascinating to see where he goes. One surprise landing spot maybe for Kirk that I would really love, the Las Vegas Raiders. What would he do for that organization and potentially – Throwing the football to uh, Devontae Adams. I'd be down for that for sure. Another team I want to talk about here, Jordan, the Miami Dolphins. They have a huge, huge decision facing them this offseason as well. Uh, do they reset the quarterback market and extend to a tongue of Iloa? If it was me, Jordan, based on what we've seen from him in the injury history, I'd be pretty hesitant. I maybe let him play this year out and then see what happens from there. What do you think Miami ultimately does with Tua? Yeah, I actually wrote a column about this for CBSSports.com a couple of months ago, I guess right after their, uh, their, their postseason loss to Kansas yeah. City. I do not think that Miami resets the market with Tua Tungamaloa. I mean, he's under contract for one more year at least, so they're going to mm-hmm. run through that and see what he can accomplish moving forward. Tua is like one of the most fascinating quarterbacks in the NFL to me, in my opinion, because I, he's a system quarterback, and I, I know mm-hmm. that's a, a descriptor that's used negatively, and I, I don't mean it to be negatively because I actually like Tua Tungabaloa. When that Miami offense is hitting on all cylinders, it's impossible to stop with those rhythm timing routes. It's similar to what Brock Purdy's done with the San Francisco 49ers, although I think Brock's been a little bit more effective and consistent in his situation with Kyle Shanahan. So I think Tua Tungabaloa is someone who fits Mike McDaniel's system well. But the question is, how do you handle financially paying a quarterback who's not a game changer? He's not right. Lamar Jackson. He's right. not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Joe Burrow. He's somebody who runs the system really well, but the longer the dude holds the ball, uh, the more negative things happen. So how do you handle paying a quarterback like that? That's the main question that I'm faced with. And maybe we have more clarity about that after another season of the Tua Tungavaloa experience, right? And this has been a really interesting chapter, right? Because Mm -hmm. in the first year with Mike McDaniel, he proved that he's good, right? He proved that he's a starting quarterback, at least the top 32 guy. But could he stay healthy? This year, he proved that he can stay healthy. So what's he going to prove in 2024? That's one of the biggest questions I have entering next season. Things can get crazy with that, man. I. How many? So you mentioned Tua not being a that that prototypical game changer. How many game changers do you think there are in the NFL? I could count probably six. Do you think there's more than that? Yeah, Lamar Jackson. Uh, I, I would put Josh Allen in that, in that category. He needs to stop turning the ball over though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> CJ Stroud might be on uh, on on superstar alert too. Patrick Mahomes, of course. Um, so I'm already lost count, but yeah, I would say five or six for yeah. sure. And then there's some other guys that are kind of on like teetering the border, right? Like, where do you, where do you place Trevor Lawrence? Um, you know, Kirk cousins back in the day, where exactly do you place him? Because he's it's not exactly a yeah. system quarterback. He, he can make some of those nice throws downfield. How about Matthew Stafford too? One of the more underrated quarterbacks mm-hmm. who absolutely, I mean, he had that Rams offense looking like the greatest show on turf for, for spurts <laughs> when they had Cooper cup and Puka Nakua, yeah. Kyron Williams and his emergence. 
So, yeah, I think the quarterback is, is such an interesting topic. But I'm with you, Den. I would say probably five or six guys. Yeah, I think that's what makes the, the Tua conversation so fascinating because all three of us could probably agree, right? He's not someone that necessarily elevates his teammates. I get to thinking of possible – I could look at Miami, and there's some sleeper teams like Minnesota, uh, Denver, the Rams potentially that could make a, a pretty sizable move up into that top five to get the quarterback of their liking. I could see the Dolphins potentially being, you know, one of those teams that, you know, pony up some future assets to move up into that top five because what we've seen out of Mike McDaniel's offense is obviously, you know, Tua can do it. But Tua, as we all have said here, isn't a game changer. Imagine a guy like a Jaden Daniels on that Miami Dolphins team with Tyreek Hill and A-Chain and Waddle. Talk about greatest show on turf. They'd be fast as all outdoors. (laughs) And there's no doubt about that. And, hey, man, this hypothetical, if that happened, that would be the main takeaway from the entire 2024 NFL draft. That would be absolutely shocking because the reason is, even if Tua Tungabaloa has a career year again in 2024, what do you do with Jaden Daniels, right? Like, you you have to part ways with one of these guys. And you just just traded up to the top three to pick up the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. So it seems like Tua Tungabaloa would be on the way out. That'd be one of the main storylines for sure, coming from the 2024 NFL draft, if a team like the Miami Dolphins traded up and, and then ended up stealing a Jaden Daniels or a Drake May. It's going to be fascinating, man. The draft coming up, we're about 50-plus days away uh, from night one of the NFL draft. Jordan will be in conversation with you before then, my man. Appreciate you giving us some time. Absolutely. That was fun. Appreciate you guys. That is Jordan Dejani, CBS Sports. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at Jordan Dejani. People are going to think I'm crazy by projecting – a potential to a tongue of Iloa trade from Miami. But just when you look at where the Dolphins are right now and you look at the contract conundrum on their hands, just from a from a health standpoint and knowing the injury track record the two has had, ain't no way in hell I'm resigning him to a long-term extension. It just doesn't make sense to this point. I don't know. He's doing jujitsu. That clearly worked. It's, it worked a little healthy. bit. But yeah. do you hear what I'm saying on that? I'm not trying to be controversial here when I say it. I could just... Those that Shanahan system, whether it's the the, the Vikings iteration that, that that Kevin O'Connell's running, the, the Shanahan offense in San Francisco, the the McVay offense in LA with the Rams, it just doesn't feel like you need you don't need a game changer at quarterback really for for that offense though. Like, no, I do think that offense is form fit to Tua just because that's kind of the coach that McDaniel is. But at this point, they've played two seasons together. They've been to the playoffs twice, and they're 0-2. Now, Tua didn't play in that first game, but that's yeah. also a knock because Tua got hurt. Now, that was a scary situation, yes. but he got hurt. And at a certain point, if you're not winning, the coach is the one that gets hit with that, right? So would you lock up a guy for record money that you don't fully trust without the head coach? The answer to that's no. Yeah, it's it's going to be one of the bigger storylines of this offseason. Another layer to it, too. Dolphins owner Steven Ross, not the most patient guy in the world. He's getting ready to turn 85 years old this season. I think all a lot of coaches could potentially be on the surprise hot seat this year, Denton, just because of how star-studded the next year's coaching free agent class is going to be. Mike Vrabel, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, those are all dudes that are going to have jobs next year. So we'll see uh, how that ultimately plays out, man. Plenty more to get to. Uh, here on the Kevin Sheehan Show, Kevin out at jury duty, myself, Denton Day, filling in for him. When we come back, we'll revisit our discussion we had at the top of the show. Longtime NFL columnist Peter King 
uh, put out his final column this morning for Football Morning in America. And in that column, he predicted the Chicago Bears trading their number one overall pick to the Washington Commanders. When we come back, Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com had some interesting thoughts on who Washington prefers out of this quarterback class. All that more next here on the Team 980.